I too will decide to take the comment of being fat as a compliment, <laughs> even though I am not from the Eastern Cape. Um, so we are in week three of our series called The King's Letter, which is based on the Song of Solomon. And uh, I've entitled my message tonight, <coughs> His Desire is for me. Um, won't you turn with me to Song of Solomon chapter 6, and we'll start reading at verse 1. Uh, if you notice on the side, there's a picture of pomegranates. Uh, they come up repeatedly in the Song of Solomon, but I don't feel I should be the one to describe exactly what they're talking about. I'm going to leave that for, Siv for next week, uh, and he can explain more thoroughly what they mean. Song of Song, Solomon, chapter 6, verse 1, and it says this. The others say, where has your beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you together in the garden of love? And then she says, my beloved has gone down into his garden to the beds of spices, to graze in the gardens and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He grazes among the lilies. And then he says to her, you are beautiful as Persia, my love. Lovely as Jerusalem, awesome as an army with banners. Turn away your eyes from me, for they overwhelm me. Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth, <laughs> yes, you're allowed to laugh. I think he's describing the color. Your teeth are like a flock of ewes that have come up from the washing. All of them bear twins. Not one among them is, has lost its young. So what he's saying is your teeth are white and they're even, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you were, they're not yellow and furry. Uh, your cheeks are like halves of pomegranate behind your veil. So in this instant, pomegranates are talking about her cheeks, but they do speak about other things in other places. There are 60 queens and 80 concubines and virgins without number. My dove, my perfect one, is the only one, the only one of her mother, pure to her who bore her. The young woman saw her and called her blessed. The queens and concubines also, and they praised her. Who is this who looks down like the dawn? Beautiful as the moon, bright as the sun, awesome as an army with banners. And then she says, I went down to the nut orchard to look at the blossoms of the valley, to see whether the vines had budded, whether the pomegranates were in bloom. Before I was aware, my desire set me among the chariots of my kinsman, the prince. And I'm going to talk about two things that struck me as I was reading this, this passage. And the first one is that I am his and he is mine. And Song of Solomon 6 verse 3 says, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He grazes among the lilies. And we see again in chapter 7 verse 10 that, that she says, I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. And this is the whole point of the Song of Solomon, that I am my beloved's, and he is mine, and his desire is for me. And the Hebrew word translated as desire literally means to stretch out after, to long for. In English, desire means a longing or craving as for something that brings satisfaction and enjoyment. And this is the point. If you are wondering why you are walking around on the planet today, it's because God wanted you. It's because God made you to be loved, and he desires you. You've heard it a million times that God loves you. But what that means is that he is stretching out after you. He's actually seeking you. 
He desires you. And remember that to desire means to long for, to crave for something that is satisfying and enjoyable. Isn't it just crazy and ridiculous that the almighty creator of the universe finds you and me satisfying and enjoyable? Just like the Shulamite, you and I struggle to receive this. We struggle to understand and believe that that is true, that he finds us satisfying and enjoyable. We think it's ridiculous. We just can't understand why he would do that. And that's why the book was written, because in this over-the-top, ostentatious, highly sensual, yes, even sexual book, story about love, the Lord is saying to every single one of you, I want you with every fiber of my being. I made you to love and to desire. He can't tell us enough. We look at the cross and we don't understand what he did, that he gave up everything to stretch out after us and to say, you are mine. He did absolutely everything he could do. And we cannot get away from the truth that he wants us. That's why you have a conscience. It keeps telling you God wants you. But here's the thing. We can understand that we are his. I think there's a sense where we can get that. But the other reason God put you on this planet was so that you could love him back so that you could desire him. The other reason you are walking around on this planet right now is so that you can know him. You see, I am my beloved's, and he is mine. And that's the bit we're gonna have to make a bit of effort about, and that's the bit we're gonna have to push into. You see, this is the satisfaction and enjoyment that God finds in you and me, that we would learn to love, to love him, that we would learn to know him, that we would see his heart, that we would gaze upon him, that we would behold him as the lover of our souls, and that we would learn to desire him as much as he desires us. He wants us to burn with the same flaming passion and love that he burns with for us. And if you doubt it, tonight, just look at that cross. Just look at that cross. He loves you. The second point I want to talk about is, as I seek him, he reveals himself to me. Song of Solomon 6 verse 1 says, Where has your beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you. And the original Hebrew word translated as seek means, amongst other things, to search for, to strive to obtain, to desire, to ask, to inquire, to get or procure. Now, Jeremiah 29, 13 gives us this promise. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And the point of seeking is to find If you're not actually interested in getting anything, you're not going to bother searching. 
Why? Because have you ever watched a movie where people try and find where X on a pirate map is? It takes a heck of a lot of effort. And I don't know, if the Pirates of the Caribbean is any true thing, there's demons that come at you, and I don't know what else happens. But it takes a lot of effort. And if you are not absolutely convinced that what you are searching for matters, that it, val that it is valuable, that it's going to change your whole existence, I promise you right now, you're not going to get off your butt and go after it. And so Jeremiah tells us that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. But here are two things, remember. The first is that God defines how we seek him. Zephaniah 2 verse 3 says, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness and humility. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 10 tells us, If my people who are called by my name will what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and do what? turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And so when we seek God, we seek him on his terms because he is sovereign and he is holy and he defines how we seek him. There is one doorway to the Father and his name is Jesus Christ. There is no other way. We can't do it on our own. We can't come with fabulous humanistic ideas and think we're going to please God. And what God is longing for is humble hearts, repentant spirits, those who will say, God, we're far from understanding you, but we want to know. So we're going to give up all our stuff. We're going to give up what we think we know, and we're going to hear the truth from you, and we will seek after you. And secondly, if we're going to seek God, we're going to find God himself. Not what we'd like him to be, not what we think he should be, not what we want. We're going to find the living God who is called an all-consuming fire. And as much as I'm talking about him loving you and wanting you and desiring you, do you know how scary God is? If you don't, you haven't seen him yet. In Exodus 3 verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. And God holds the right to define himself. Nothing else, not a person, not a situation or circumstance, not what I think, feel, or believe will define him. I'm going to say that again. Nothing else, 